TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to 100 Not Out, featuring your hosts, Dr. Damien Christoph and Marcus Pierce. Hello and welcome to 100 Not Out, a weekly show dedicated to helping you master the art of aging well. Marcus Pierce here with you and as always, I could not do this podcast without my brother from another mother. He's all the way down in Melbourne. He is the guru of gut health. He is Dr. Damien Christoph. Hello, legend. Uh, PC, I was wondering where we are going to go with that because we are joined with a guru today and I, I am great, but I didn't know what you were going to call me today. I'm a bit embarrassed that you called me that. Particularly no, you, wait, that you wait until you see what I have in wow. store for our next guest. Okay, tell me. This tell is a me. very special episode because as we uh, let our next guest know, we don't interview many subject matter experts on the podcast because we love each other so much, Damo, that we just like to talk amongst ourselves so often. <laughs> But this is why it's important that we are interviewing Chloe today. There are one in seven Australians affected by IBS, irritable bowel syndrome. Often those people have constipation, diarrhea, they're bloated. Now, research is suggesting that one of the more successful interventions is a low FODMAP diet, but that can be filled with overwhelm and confusion. So in the spirit of 100 Not Out, and on the assumption that our listeners are either one of the one in seven or they know someone with IBS. We are going to talk about it today and we are going straight to the top to the goddess of gut health. I speak of <laughs> Chloe McLeod. Chloe, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me on, guys. I, I feel very privileged to be part of the, the lucky few to come on the show. Oh, well, Chloe, we feel privileged that you would say yes to come on to our show. We love our show. We love it. And uh, we love our audience. And um, I think they're going to love you too, Chloe. So thanks for joining us. It is really great to have you. I've um, I love FODMAP stuff. I love it. I'm going to declare it straight up. I know lots of people with FODMAP. My mum, my wife, they've all got these sensitivities, and it's so fascinating. But uh, just in case there's people out there who aren't one of the seven, or know one of the seven Australians, what does FODMAP actually mean? What does it stand for? Uh, so there is certainly an acronym, um, which is FODMAP. So it stands for fermentable oligosaccharides disaccharides, monosaccharides, and polyols. And you can see from that mouthful why there is an acronym for it. And and as you say, it's becoming something which is more and more well-known and discussed and, and used by people around the world to help with managing some of their digestive issues. But, but as you said, there are a number of pitfalls and, and difficulties that people can have with following the diet as well. Yeah. Um, now, Chloe, in terms of the current situation with FODMAPs, you're coming from a background where you've got a Bachelor in Nutrition and Dietetics, you've got a Master's in Public Health, you sit on the board for Sports Dietitians Australia, you're, you're in this world. Um, why do you think so many people today have IBS, I could say gut health issues, but if we just focus on IBS today, like why do you think this has become such a big issue? That's a, an excellent question, Marcus. And the, I think there's a, for a couple of reasons. So firstly, I think there's a significantly more awareness these days around gut health and gut health issues than there was even say 10, 15 years ago. So, um, I mean, I know when I went through uni and this is showing my age, uh, um, we, we had maybe two or three lectures where 
we heard about FODMAPs and and that was it. Whereas I know that there's like full topics on on the area now, probably pending which uni you go to. And it is a, a really big area that a lot of dietitians are working in because there's so many people who are reporting that they have these issues. And it's not just something that people live with. They, they're hearing, ah, oh, you know, maybe that excessive bloating where I look like I'm six months pregnant, that's not normal. Maybe there is something that I can actually do about it. And it's great to be able to help people um, so significantly improve their quality of life. Hey, uh, Chloe, um, in the early days of FODMAP, I used to sit down and hang out with Sue Shepherd, and we were just talk about it and we were chatting about the things that she found and what she discovered and what that all meant and how exciting it was because now it was no longer fair and reasonable just to say, oh, you've got an irritable bowel. You could actually then go and further classify it and look at the gases that were being produced and then predict what you were sensitive to and all that sort of stuff. In the last decade, has there been much movement um, in terms of uh, what we know about the condition um, and how we manage it, or has it stayed pretty much the same in the last decade? It has changed hugely in the past decade. And and Sue Shepard, what a pioneer when it Amazing. comes to FODMAPs wow. and um, like the original guru when it comes to um, FODMAPs and, and talking all things IBS. So yeah. um, I guess I look at the last 10 years and, and how things have changed. I think there's a, a few key things which have changed. So firstly, um, which foods are classified as low FODMAP and high FODMAP, that, that is changing still constantly at the moment due to superior testing methods and, and other things which can have an impact on FODMAP levels in certain foods. Also, the, the protocols around how things are done have changed as well. So I think back to how I manage people with IBS, with FODMAPs when I first learned about it versus how I manage it now, and it is very different. So um, I created the program, the FODMAP Challenge, um, back in 2016, and it um, was was and still is a sort of all-encompassing program where it take, took you through the entire elimination phase, um, challenge phase, reintroduction phase of FODMAPs and the FODMAP approach. And this is still correct and um, can still be done. However, more and more we modify how we do that now to, you know, maybe we take a more gentle approach. So not removing all of the FODMAPs at once. Maybe it's removing, maybe it's only removing certain FODMAPs at a time or certain quantities of FODMAPs at a time so that it's more specific to an individual's needs, specific to an individual's um, potential intolerances, and so that we're not restricting the diet as much. And the reason for for some of these changes is just progress in research and as we learn more about IBS and FODMAPs and and the health of our guts, but as well um, as it's not just about symptom minimization. It's also about how can we optimize the the individual's gut health long-term. So probably one of the key things, which I think I know I talk about a lot with clients now is um, prebiotic fiber. And a lot of high FODMAP foods are a source of prebiotic fiber. Prebiotic fiber is absolutely key when it comes to helping your gut be healthy because of how it of it, the role that it plays in in your gut, in feeding the healthy bacteria in our gut and production of short-chain fatty acids. Unfortunately, when you're on a strict low FODMAP diet, your intake of prebiotic fiber drops quite considerably. So um, one of the things that I know I do with, with my clients is ensure that we are getting prebiotic fiber into the diet and reintroducing FODMAPs at varying levels, depending on what their tolerance and 
and appetite, for lack of a better word for it, is um, because this long-term avoidance, which I know some people have, have done in the past, like, you know, even this morning I had someone who I was speaking to who'd been on a strict low FODMAP diet for four years and, you know, some of the things which have developed along with that around fear for food and, you know, increased sensitivity for foods have, have been become quite debilitating. So, and that's something that um, I know happens a lot. So I think it's really important that we look at how a low FODMAP diet is implemented, that it is done in a really um, safe way for an individual and that it's not about removing them forever. It's about removing them in the short term, working out triggers, working out um, individual tolerance levels, and then um, adapting the diet to suit the individual so that they're living as symptom-free as possible whilst also not being as restrictive as possible. Yeah, you raised so many great points in there, Chloe. And I think one of the things that um, many people struggle with is that this, uh, you know, you think about um, the dietary um, fads that have happened and occurred, you know, over the last, let's say, 20 years. They're all very extreme. They're all 100% on or 100% off. And, uh, and with FODMAPs, if you go 100% off all fermentables, uh, you could, in fact, be making things worse. And I think what you raised there is such a great point in that the full exclusion and the full long-term exclusion without the supplementation or the introduction of appropriate prebiotic um, fibres could be uh, hugely detrimental to the gut and maybe even stifle progress and, uh, and repair and recovery. So could a full exclusion of FODMAPs long-term, could that cause a permanent dysfunction uh, where FODMAPs might be sensitivity forever or do you still see it as being a temporary thing and that we can move on through it regardless of how long someone's had FODMAP sensitivity for? So it is something which you can, can move along from, but it does depend on a number of different factors. But one of the things to be mindful of is it is it is an intolerance or a sensitivity. It's not an allergy. So it's not that you can't have any, it's that you can have some. It's just about working out how much that some is. And an example that I often use is onion. And because it's a it's a, um, a food which is very high in um, fructans, which is one of the types of FODMAPs. And it's one that a lot of people are sensitive to and get a lot of fear around eating it as well mm. because they can feel so un- uncomfortable when they consume it. It doesn't mean that they can never eat onion. It means that there's a threshold that they can tolerate. And by having small amounts that are tolerable regularly, over time you can actually change your gut bacteria so that you are able to better tolerate it. Now, this isn't a process that happens overnight. It takes a long time. So I'm talking many months, not, you know, a couple of weeks. Um, It does take time to improve that sensitivity. And part of this is physiologically, but also part of it is psychologically and having the confidence that you can eat this food, which you've previously been like, I can't touch that because I feel horrific when I eat it. It's about slowly increasing it so that you physically feel comfortable comfortable and then have the confidence that you can do it at the same time as well. Now, Chloe, we, at, uh, at the risk of sounding like a contrarian, in a world a long, long time ago, uh, Damien and I used to travel to this little Greek island called Ikaria every year and we'd take a small group of people there, we'd go there for 10 days and uh, we still remember it like it was yesterday when we would talk to our host, Thea, and say, Thea, uh, do you have much gut health stuff 
in Ikaria, many of the residents, you know, uh, it's gut health of big dishes. Like I don't know anyone on this island of seven and a half thousand people, and literally everyone knows everyone in Ikaria. I don't know anyone that has a gut health issue. And Damo and I are like gobsmacked because, you know, again, in the prehistoric dark ages when we used to run events and talk to mass gatherings of people for a living, you would ask people uh, who he has a gut health issue and pretty much everyone or has had one, pretty much everyone put their, their hand up. Um, so we look into the lifestyle of people that live a great long time and if we focus on Ikaria for just a moment, they live this lifestyle which seems to be devoid of um, mass amounts of stress. And and Damo is renowned for doing this presentation called Crack Your Stress Code. And, you know, we look at the lifestyles of people that live a great long life and they seem to have a, it's, it's a belief system that's robust that they don't stress so much. So what I would love to know from you is in clinical practice or just in your time, we put the food to one side for a minute, if I'm having a diet that is rich in prebiotic fiber, but I'm racing around like a cut snake and I am constantly just running bull at a gate, um, what impact do you think stress has on gut health? And again, with food to one side for a minute, on the actual ability to improve IBS and so on. Um, it is absolutely paramount that stress is managed well. And you've you've really opened the the box there, I suppose, in that, you know, we often really focus on food when it comes to gut health. And and so we should to a degree, but stress management and um, stress reduction are absolutely paramount when it comes to improving the health of your gut and, and reducing gut symptoms. And, and you know, we know about the, the link between our gut and our brain, the gut-brain axis. And, you know, when you feel a little bit nervous, you get those butterflies in your stomach, that's a uh, that's a really sort of gentle explanation of how your your brain and your gut are speaking to each other. You sort of imagine, you know, when you're super stressed, that ends up being a bit on steroids. And so that's where symptoms like the bloating, discomfort, um, pain, diarrhea, wind, constipation, all these symptoms which characterize IBS where um, they can all be amplified purely because of the level of stress that somebody is under. So, so as I'm sure, you, sure, sure the people who are tuning in today know, stress can manifest in physical ways as well with gut symptoms being a really key one. Now, I know you said to step away from the food for a minute, but I'm going to come back to it because it's a big part of, of how we manage things as well. So, something that I will often talk to people about is, you know, you go away on holidays and and the, the example I often use is heading off to Italy, but, you know, maybe you're, you've headed off to the Greek islands for a little little getaway as well. And, you know, maybe all these things that you usually cause you symptoms. So, you know, all the garlic, the onion, all the bread, pasta, yeah, bread, the bread yeah. you know, these things that all would usually be causing a massive problem for you, maybe suddenly they're actually fine. And, um, uh, the reason for this is because your threshold of tolerance has gone up so much because you're not as stressed. So there, there's a couple of ways of managing this in practice with people. And obviously, ideally, we minimize stress. We take things, you know, out of the, the person's bucket of life so that their, you know, their bucket's not overflowing so much. But also we need to be practical and know that that's not always possible um, for whatever reason for an individual. You know, maybe they're working you know, 18 hour days and work super hectic and stressful, but that's just not possible to change that. So what can we do practically to help them? And yes, practically we can 
meditate and we can be physically active and we can aim to get enough sleep and all of these things which definitely contribute to improving the symptoms of IBS and improving the health of our gut overall, even if we don't have IBS. However, for some people, we might then, this is where the the FODMAP diet can be really helpful is sometimes we might modify FODMAP intake across days and weeks, depending on what's going on for a person. So, you know, they go away to the Greek islands on holidays. It's like, eat whatever you like. Whereas when they're at home, maybe, you know, Monday to Friday, they need to eat a bit less FODMAPs to help them feel a bit better so they can get through the day. And then on the weekends, they be a bit more liberal with including the onion and the garlic and, and whatever else that they're, they're starting to introduce so that they're not missing out on those foods either. So, and that's where I think the, the FODMAP diet can be really cool in that you can just modify it based on an individual's life and needs. And, um, you know, obviously all of the other things that we've spoken about with stress and activity play a role too, but food can help with managing symptoms as well. And it doesn't have to be a cut and dry. I can't eat this. It's I can eat this in this amount when. Nice. Hey, Chloe, um, there's lots of uh, different products that are being sold out there and I don't want to be disparaging about any of them and and I don't want to be promoting any of them um, because that's not my job um, <laughs> in, in this role. Uh, so, But I wanted to ask just as a broad-based question, um, have, you done, have you read anything or experienced any um, benefit uh, from the application or the utilisation of probiotics? That's a, that's a really big question and it's, it's something which, again, I feel like my answer on that um, has changed a lot over the past 10 years or so in that these days I'll actually rarely recommend probiotics um, with the reason being that the research really shows that individual pro- probiotics have quite specific functions. Yes. So, for example, there's one called um, Bifido infantis, which is particularly good for helping with constipation. But if you're just going to start taking that willy-nilly and constipation isn't your issue, then there's no point in going and taking it. So if you are strain-specific approach is what you exactly. So if you are wanting to take one, then it it is important to be quite specific on the strain and the reason why, Mm -hmm. um, rather than just taking a blanket approach. And even you know, I know historically it might be take antibiotics, start taking a probiotic. Even now that's been shown to not be the best thing to do. The best Mm -hmm. thing to do is eat a diet that's rich in prebiotic fiber because that will help to foster um, more diversity and more overall um, of the the healthy bacteria and and other organisms which are found in your gut, which you need to have a healthy gut. Nice one. Um, There's some herbs that you can get. There's a supplement um, that I know some of my my family take because they have had FODMAP issues and they take this thing called Iberogast. They seem to say that it gives them lots of um, assistance and then other people that doesn't work with. And I think that's pretty consistent with, um, with FODMAPs, you know, what works for some might not work for others. And so I suppose I'm coming back here to suggest that people should seek the help of a practitioner in this space, as opposed to just going on the internet and finding, I don't know, an article on it. And then seeing what's, you know, get some help. Yeah, that I completely agree with everything you've just said. So um, what you've mentioned about Iberogast has been the experience that I have, have had in that I could almost probably 50-50 say, you know, half the people I've seen who have tried it think it's worked and the other half probably don't think it has. So, um, you know, it's it's up to the individual if it's, if it's going to be suitable for them. Um, and always important to seek 
help from a professional. And and I know I mentioned the FODMAP challenge before, so that's that's now homed over at Healthy Life, um, so that they've got they've used that program to help develop a suite of um, IBS relevant programs for people um, to use alongside working with a dietitian or, or with their preferred healthcare practitioner, um, so that people are able to better manage their IBS and um, live a better quality life. Oh, well done, Chloe. This has been fantastic. Uh, learning lots. And I know as two health professionals, you two could probably go on for hours and hours. But many of our listeners right now are going, right, I need to start taking some action or I need to share this episode with a family member or a friend. So as you just mentioned there, Chloe, uh, for people that want to learn more about the FODMAP challenge, they can head on over to healthylife.com.au, click on programs, and you'll see all the information there. If you want to connect with Chloe, you head on over to chloemcleod.com and check. Uh, you can also connect with Chloe on the socials. We'll put the links in the show notes. Chloe, it's been a joy to have you on 100 Night Out today. Thank you so much for your wisdom and for your time. My absolute pleasure, guys. Thank you again for having me on and, um, yeah, enjoy the rest of your day. Well, it's been a pleasure. Damo, we've had the guru of gut health and the goddess of gut health on uh, the episode. Uh, <laughs> Now, don't, no disrespect to you, Damo. No. Chloe is the goddess of gut health. You are the Clearly. guru of gut health. It has been a, a joy to glean your wisdom as always, great man. Thank you, PC. Great to have Chloe on here. What a great opportunity to ask an expert the truth about some stuff, which is just great. So thank you, Chloe. Yeah, My absolutely. My absolute pleasure, guys. Always enlightening. For more info on Damo, folks, head on over to damienchristoph.com, myself, marcuspierce.com.au. And until next week, as always, continue to make the rest of your life the best of your life. Bye for now. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.